episode 204 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free three-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com. Navy Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and normally I would be your host. But if you've been listening to this podcast, if this is your first time, you should go back, listen to all 200 episodes, and then come back because they're all great. But anyways, as you know, we've been doing a little bit of a race. What's going to come first? My son or episode 200? Well, episode 200 came before my son, but now that you are listening to this, my son has been bored. I am a new father. My wife and I are our new parents, and we are going to take a couple weeks off. But good news is the Pilot the Pilot podcast is not taking any breaks. I have five guest hosts coming on, and they are going to have incredible content. You might be wishing they come back and telling me to stay gone and just be gone and never come back. You did 200. It's enough. Let the others shine. So... Well, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But I have five great episodes for you, and I cannot wait for you to hear these. Uh, as always, please check out Instagram, Pilot the Pilot, for all updates. Right now, the account is private, so if you missed out on following it, you don't know why. Go follow, and you can see why. Uh, you can also see baby pictures, full-on baby content. It might just be a, a new dad baby content Instagram. Check out Pilot's Coffee. We have some big things coming soon. I can't say much more. I might have hinted at it in a couple other episodes, but next couple weeks, maybe even by the time this episode's out or the next episode, so maybe 202, there should be some big news. But uh, check that out. And also go rate this podcast. Let more people find it. All that fun stuff. But Aviation, I don't want to keep you any longer. So without any further ado, here is a guest host of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. So far, you guys tuning into the Pilot to Pilot podcast. My name is Kyle Ludwig. I've been fortunate enough to be asked by Justin to host one of the episodes while he and his wife are out on paternity and maternity leave. Super excited to be here today. Uh, my background is I'm one of Garmin's aviation marketing managers. I've been on the Garmin staff for just over a year. I'm an avid pilot and aircraft owner myself uh, and uh, have been, uh, like I said, at Garmin just over a year. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to a really interesting pilot uh, on our Garmin staff. He leads our engineering flight test unit and our flight operations uh, group in general. His name's Tom Carr. And Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Let's dive right in. So, Tom, uh, been in the flight test world for quite a while professionally. Uh, how did you get into flying in general? Well, I've always been interested in, uh, I, I was your prototypical airport rat, but uh, I'm from Washington, D.C. So my uh, my airport was Washington National at the time, now Reagan, of course. So I may be the only airport rat that Reagan's ever produced. Uh I'd been interested in it since uh, I was a kid, actually started flying when I was in high school from uh, Washington National, then went out to uh, University of Kansas to uh, uh, go to aerospace engineering school. Uh, my bachelor degree is in aerospace engineering and really started doing most of my flying after I left uh, college and went to work at Beach at what was then Beach Aircraft. and. 
at Beach Aircraft. Um, I started out as a design engineer, designing control systems for a year before I was able to get into flight test. And uh, so I've been doing that ever since. So I don't know how many years, but it's got to be 40 something now. Um, Beach, I was fortunate enough to start going through their career track to become a test pilot. And I was test pilot with them for, uh, well, I was at Beach a total of 26 years and then came to Garmin in uh, 2003 as their uh, chief test pilot. That's awesome. Tell us about a little bit of your time at Beach. You were you were uh, test piloting a lot of really cool programs there. What were a couple of the most memorable ones? Well, probably the most memorable one was the Beach Starship. Uh, I was on the Beach Starship program pretty much from the very beginning and uh, did uh, flight test work out at uh, Scaled Composites out in Mojave uh, on that program. Um, spent a lot of time on the uh, Starship, but uh, I'd also uh, done quite a few other smaller programs that uh, I really enjoyed. I've done eight spin test programs, including three on Baron aircraft. Uh, those were really fun. Uh, I was the project pilot on what was then called the Hawker Horizon. I think it's now called the Hawker 4000. Uh, I was the chief test pilot on that program and did the first flight on that airplane back in uh, 2003. Um, a lot of different programs were going on at, uh, at Beach. Um, they had a very large R&D program. I flew a, a fly-by-wire Bonanza when I was at, uh, when I was at beach. So, um, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. A lot of diverse airplanes and programs for sure. Uh, and an iconic brand. Let's jump into what Garmin does in the product development standpoint and when flight test gets involved. I think Tom, you know, a lot of folks have flown behind our avionics at Garmin. Uh, have flown with our app, Garmin Pilot, things of that nature, but they don't really look at what we do in flight tests or understand that really well. So how about from the beginning, you know, can you tell the folks listening to the podcast here, um, at what point, you know, engineering flight tests gets involved in the product development process at Garmin? Well, actually, we are generally involved from the very beginning. You don't really want to design something for pilots and then just throw it over the wall at the end and say, here, go ahead and test this. Tell us how great it is. So we're generally involved from the very beginning uh, on everything from uh, the layout of the controllers to the way the autopilot flies the airplane to uh, the basic human factors of, of using the device. So uh, and that's on everything from uh, small things like a 275, a GI 275, all the way up to all of our integrated systems. Uh, I actually started working with Garmin as a Raytheon, which was took over Beach, as a Raytheon test pilot when Raytheon's Baron and Bonanza were supposed to be the launch customer for the G1000. So I actually started working on the G1000 from clean sheet of paper, even though I was not a Garmin employee at the time. So that's what our uh, test pilots and flight test engineers do. They get involved at the very beginning at the ground roots of it so that we have pilots designing things for pilots. And you mentioned something earlier, Tom, that I think is super important that the folks here understand too. Uh, we're not just 
flight testing, you know, our new autopilot certifications or new products. We're flight testing new OEM airplanes with the OEMs and things of that nature. Can you explain kind of the breadth and depth of what the flight test team really does and the breadth of the projects that are going on? Well, it it really spans the uh, the gamut from testing small individual devices that can be tested in an airplane and that certification used for hundreds of airplanes. So think transponders and things like that, maybe a NAVCOM and that sort of thing, all the way up to uh, large integrated systems that are being done for a specific manufacturer, such as the uh, Textron Citation Longitude. So we would have been involved in uh, developing the systems for that, the G5000 and the autopilot for that, including auto throttle uh, and all the displays. Um, So we get involved either to assist the manufacturer in doing the development and certification themselves, or we can do it all ourselves. So we've done it both ways. Actually, we've done it a lot of ways. We can either take the airplane, engineer the system ourselves and certify it. We can engineer the system and then give it back over to the manufacturer to do the certification, or we can just assist them and they do the whole development and certification process on their own with our assistance. There really isn't a way we haven't done it. That's awesome. And I think that shows the testament to you know, the the pride and, and the breadth and depth of the uh, knowledge of the flight test team. One thing that, you know, one area Garmin's growing in as far as product lines is, is autopilots. And, and now we have autopilots in a, a real depth uh, sheet of aircraft. You just mentioned the longitude, uh, one of the bigger airplanes we have an autopilot in, but all the way down to a PA-28, right, a, a Cherokee. Can you tell us a little about, about the certification process of our autopilot and, and kind of just how big of a program that really is? So it, we we do have basically three different flavors of autopilot. We have the GFC 700, which was our first autopilot, which is part of the integrated avionics solution. But we also have two retrofit autopilots, the GFC 600 and the GFC 500, which are developed for different uh, classes of aircraft. Uh, we... In addition to trying to develop a product so that it's what we consider to be Garmin worthy, of course, we want to develop, uh, we have both a commercial and a regulatory need to test. So the commercial need to test is to develop uh, a superior product for Garmin to sell. Actually, that's part of our mission statement. We want to develop uh, products that uh, have superior quality, uh, safety, operational features. And so we do that by developing those on each different category of aircraft that we're testing it in. But there are also regulatory requirements for us to test as well. And when you test an autopilot and certify an autopilot, you have to certify it in each individual type of aircraft. So I can't do a test in, say, a uh, 172 and have it work for a 182. Uh, different aircraft have different responses to control inputs. Uh, they have different speed, altitude, and CG uh, ranges. And so these airplanes have to be tested individually. And uh, even engine power affects longitudinal stability. So you have to test how uh, a change in engine power, say for an engine change or for a turbo normalized insulation, you have to test how it affects the autopilot's performance. So what we do is we get a 
either a new airplane, if it's going to be developed for a new uh, aircraft, a forward fit installation, or a retrofit. So we might be testing a uh, a J-35 or an S-35 Bonanza, and we'll get an airplane in and install our autopilot, whether it's a GFC 500 or 600, or in the case of forward fit, a 700. Then uh, we will test it throughout the range of weight and CG and speed ranges. Different, we test different things at different points in the envelope. So, for example, the performance of an autopilot typically is worse at forward CG. So that's where we typically have to design the uh, performance point for the autopilot. On the other hand, for flying qualities and for malfunctions, we have to test at the FCG limits. So we test along the whole range of speed, altitude, and CG ranges for the uh, autopilot. And once we're satisfied with that performance, so we'll test, iterate the design, test again, and we'll continue to iterate until we're satisfied with the performance and it meets all of the required uh, FARs. And then we'll stop the development program and go into certification. And that has to be done essentially for any airplane type that's substantially unlike a previous type. So, for example, we've probably done, I would guess, seven or eight different versions of V-tail Bonanzas. So we've done a V-35B, but we've done an S-35, we've done a J-35, we've done a variety of them. We've done a variety of different Moonies, or a variety of different 182s. So all told, we've probably done 50 or 60 different certifications just because there are that many differences in the product lines. I think one thing that, that I'd love for folks to understand too is really how long one of these programs takes. It's not just a few flights for us to make a few different changes to a GFC 500 installation. For instance, as, as you mentioned, Tom, in different Moonies or different Bonanzas, talk about how many hours it sometimes takes to, to develop an autopilot uh, for a different aircraft variant or a new aircraft. How many hours does that normally take? It, it really is dependent on what your starting point is. So if I'm going into, uh, let's say, a different model of 172, and I can use the previous, the gains from the previous 172 certification we did, I have a starting point to work with. And so it may only take 15 to 20 hours to do the development and another five to 10 to do the certification. On the other hand, if you're talking about something like the XLS and and the time frame to do that smaller program is probably on the order of eight to 10 weeks in order to do the uh, something like an XLS where you're doing a lot of high altitude work, you're doing a lot of auto throttle work. It might take two years. And I think it actually did take two years to do and uh, probably on the order of uh, 200 hours. Wow. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsor, RAA. More than 30 years ago, the pilot founders of RAA saw the need to provide highly specialized financial services to their colleagues in the airline community. You see, they understood the unique needs, desires, and challenges that come with life spent flying the line. And with the goal of positively impacting the lives of their colleagues, RAA was launched. Today, with a team of experienced airline specialized financial planners, investment professionals, and specialists in tax, estate planning, and insurance, RAA is uniquely positioned to serve pilots while safeguarding against the factors that can affect their financial life and security, and they can help you too. Because whether you're just entering the airline industry or nearing your final flight, 
The team at RAA is there to support your journey from takeoff to touchdown. Learn more about how RAA serves the pilot community today at raa.com forward slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. And now back to today's episode. Let's talk about a program that we recently won the Collier Award for at Garmin, uh, Autoland, and what Garmin Autoland meant for the flight test team. It had never been done before in the GA world. What was that like at Garmin from conception, you know, uh, almost a decade ago, if not a decade ago now, Tom, to, to now being done and, and implemented on three airplanes? What was it like to, to develop and flight test Autoland? Well, for us, that's that's our bread and butter is to be able to go out and test new things. We love to do that. I think we actually first started talking about Autoland back in 2006. To, so to see it come to fruition, uh, we, we were really jazzed about it. I mean, for those uh, who don't understand what the Collier is, it's kind of the Academy Award of the aviation world. I mean, it's the big one. And so for us to get that in competition with a lot of uh, pretty heavy hitters, we were we were all pretty jazzed about it. it it's a once in a lifetime award. Yeah, for certain. Talk about the flight test program and what it really meant to, to implement it on three different airplanes, how the OEMs were involved, but really how Garmin kind of led the way uh, in development of what we now know as Autoland. So th- there were a lot of pieces and parts to that uh, to the auto land. If I had to add them up, I'd probably say there are probably seven different major blocks we had to work on from working on, uh, the routing algorithm to working on the, uh, um, what you tell the pilot, the passengers, how do you do the implementation of the automatic, uh, engagement? And how do you do the implementation of the passenger, uh, implementation? We had to do a new, approach and landing algorithm. For the first time, we had to actually create a decrab algorithm so that an airplane could land in a crosswind. We didn't want you to be constrained to a very low crosswind. We wanted to get the person on the ground because uh, the pilot may have had a heart attack. You don't want to have to fly an extra two or 300 miles to find a place that has winds aligned with the runway. So we had to engineer a crab algorithm. We had to engineer a braking algorithm on airplanes that don't have power brakes and don't have anti-skid. So we had to engineer an anti-skid algorithm as well. For these airplanes, we had to engineer an auto throttle for all of them. So uh, we're talking about a lot of firsts that were required to be engineered and then stitched together in order to make an airplane uh, able to go from a button push to breaking to a stop and shutting the engine down and telling the passengers how to get out of the airplane. So there are a lot of big buckets that we had to uh, be involved with from the very beginning, from the out, from the routing algorithm. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a co-inventor on a patent for the routing algorithm, for example. That shows you how early in the design stage we're involved, uh, all the way up to doing the uh the landings to a full stop. And we did, uh, I believe in development, we did over 800 landings uh, on on this uh, system in the three different airplanes, including uh, some with the TBM in France. So we had representatives in France doing the landings and engineering the gains to make it work on the TBM, which were not the same as would work on the uh, Vision Jet or the uh, M600. 
That's awesome. And and what was it like, Tom, the first time you were behind the flight controls, but but really not behind the flight controls, right? Uh, as Auto Land was was kind of taking over and landing the airplane. What was that experience like the first time you uh, felt felt Auto Land in action? To be honest with you, it's it was kind of uh, I don't know the best way to put it. It was like being uh, in the right seat and watching a student land the airplane. I'm a flight instructor. I've soloed a lot of students. And it's like being in the right seat uh, and watching somebody else fly the airplane. And you realize that after a certain time, or actually after a certain altitude, you're pretty much along for the ride. And if they do something wrong, you can't intervene on the flight controls fast enough to stop them from drilling the airplane into the ground. Well, the same thing is true from from an Autoland perspective. So um, it, it really was not uh, the biggest thrill you would you would expect because. It, it all worked flawlessly from the beginning. I think that really says a, a testament to, to what the team really had to go through and, and how much effort they put into it. What would you say the hardest part out of all those buckets that you mentioned earlier, Tom, uh, almost 10 different major systems buckets that, that kind of bring Autoland to together. Um, what was the biggest one, that, the hurdle that you guys had to face or, or overcome? I think if you were to ask our flight test engineers, they would tell you probably the flare algorithm was the hardest and probably the one we worked on the most. For uh, as a test pilot, for me, the uh, probably the one that stands out in my mind the most was working on the uh, decrab algorithm. So uh, just just re- keep in mind that as an airplane's flying an approach. Uh, in a, it doesn't fly it in a crab. It flies it uh, basically with a change in heading. So you're flying with a few degrees off into the into the wind. So you're crabbed into the wind, but it's wings level. Well, you can't land that way for most light aircraft. So you actually have to find a way to align the nose with the center line uh, and not uh, w- with a very minimum amount of side force due to the uh, crosswind. And so for us, working on that decrab algorithm was probably the most challenging from a test pilot standpoint. There were a number of times we you know, thought, thought we had it and ended up skittering across the runway and having to wave off the approach until we, um, and, until we tuned it up to where we had it, where we liked it. So you've talked a lot uh, in this short interview here for the podcast, Tom, about the number of test pilots we have or, or the vast staff we have. Talk a little about that and, and kind of the experience it takes to to be a test pilot, what it's like to be part of the Society of Experimental Test Pilots and, and that sort of thing. For those folks that might say, hey, maybe the, maybe the test flying thing is for me or they're super interested in it. Talk to us a little about that. Here at, at uh, Garmin uh, and, and in civil aviation uh, quite a bit, we like to bring our test pilots along uh, internally. So uh, I'm all civilian and uh, all of our test pilots are strictly civilian with the exception of one who was military trained, but not a military test pilot school graduate. We like to bring pilots along uh, internally. So uh, we have about 15 flying crew members of which we have five who are specifically test pilots. And those are pilots who have 
the credentials to be able to certify products with the uh, FAA. I have five flight test engineers who are non who are not pilots, and they plan to be professional flight test engineers. That's what they're good at. That's what they want to do, and that that's fine. The other five are what I would consider a hybrid position. So those are flight test engineers who uh, want to actually be uh, test pilots, and they're working their way into that position. So they do some of our uh, test flying, and they do. They are not allowed to do some of our work, but they get to do some programs. They get to do. Uh, some of our development and as we need more and more test pilots and they develop the credentials to be able to do the certifications as well as the development, they'll become test pilots. Awesome. So I, I mentioned something earlier, Tom, that you, you recently, an organization that you won an award from and it was a big deal, the Society of Experimental Test Pilots. Tell us a little about that organization, their purpose in the flight test industry and the award you just won uh, within the last year. Well, uh, the Society of Experimental Test Pilots, SETP, is an organization. Uh, it's really geared towards education, flight test safety, sharing of information, and that sort of thing. And so it, it is a fairly elite organization, and it does have certain requirements that uh, you must meet as a test pilot and in order to, uh, to join the organization. And we do have several uh, members here at Garmin uh, of SETP. The, uh, they have an award called the Ivan C. Kinchlow Award, which I guess if the Collier is the Academy Award of Aviation, then the, uh, the Kinchlow Award would be the Heisman Trophy. So it's, it's given to an individual test pilot as opposed to an organization. And I was fortunate enough to win that uh, back in 2020 for my work on Autoland. Yeah, huge, huge undertaking, and, and congrats again uh, on that award, Tom. Tell us a little about what it was like. We talked earlier uh, in the podcast about being a production test pilot and an experimental test pilot at Beechcraft, and then uh, going to experimental flight test at Garmin. What's kind of the difference between uh, test flying and, and aircraft, per se, for certification work and, and certifying new avionics, and, and kind of what those differences are and what you enjoy about both? Okay, so first let me correct you and say I never was production test pilot at uh, Beach or Raytheon. Very good. Okay. Flight test. So um, the the biggest difference is we hire for a, a uh, test pilot position here. You must have a technical background. Does not necessarily mean a technical degree, although uh, all of our test pilots do have. Uh, a technical degree, either an engineering degree, a science degree, or a computer science degree. And it it really require, requires a different mindset because you are required to develop a, program, a system or a device, and it, it can't be random. You have to be able to, to uh, contribute to the design either from a human factors perspective or an algorithm perspective. It requires a knowledge uh, that uh, unless you do have a technical background, you would not be able to really contribute more than just flying the airplane. And so I've often said that I can turn an engineer into a pilot, but I cannot turn a pilot into an engineer. And so it just requires kind of a different mindset to do the, uh, the flight test work. But all of our pilots, uh, in addition to flying uh, flight tests, 
also contribute to the transportation mission. So we have uh, a number of airplanes here that uh, we use to support the transportation mission of the company. They go out on dealer calls, uh, seminars, uh, visits to OEMs, and things like that. And all of our pilots, in addition to being test pilots, are required to operate as an operational pilot you, because you can get away from it so quickly where you don't really understand what's going on operationally. So they're required to actually be operational pilots as well as test pilots. Awesome. Yeah. I think that uh, all the test pilots in government are very lucky. They're, they're very uh, experienced individuals uh, from the technical standpoint, but also the flying standpoint in our flight department, make sure that uh, everybody stays behind the stick. Um, tell us, Tom, the difference really uh, developing a new airframe and let's say a new autopilot uh, for an airplane and kind of the, the mindset there, or if there are any differences between developing kind of the aircraft side like you did at Beach or developing the avionics side like you do at Garmin. Well, that's kind of a difficult question to answer because uh, anymore it's difficult to draw the line about what is avionics and what is not avionics. So uh, if you were to have said uh, five years ago about developing avionics, you might have been talking about navcoms and transponders and things like that. But uh, as I mentioned, when we were developing Autoland, we needed to develop an auto throttle. We had to develop a uh, braking solution. We had to develop an anti-skid solution. We had to develop a routing solution. So there's there's not really a bright line anymore as to what av uh, what avionics are. When I was at uh, Beach or Raytheon, I did develop anti-skid systems. I developed braking systems. I we dealt with uh, a lot of handling qualities issues. Well, here at Garmin, we've developed brake systems and fuel quantity gauging systems and auto throttle systems, and we get into handling qualities because our autopilots do have to go over speed. We have over speed protection, and they do have to go under speed into the high angle of attack regime. I'm doing a lot of the same things that I did when I was at uh, Raytheon, and I'm doing it on a lot uh, uh, uh a wider spectrum of aircraft. Yeah, awesome answer uh, for sure. And uh, I think a lot of folks truly don't understand the breadth and depth of, of kind of the the systems that we have on board new aircraft today. I think kind of wrapping up the interview, Tom, in short, um, you just said, you know, the avionics industry has evolved a lot over the past few years, specifically what Garmin is doing kind of in this industry. What's, uh, what are you most excited about in the future? Is it Autoland and, and adapting that for other platforms, or is it another facet of what we're working on at Garmin? Okay, well, hopefully you won't tell anybody what my email address is so that I don't get flamed <laughs> by everybody. But frankly, the EV toll doesn't, doesn't throw me at all. So I'm not, I'm not really enthusiastic about that aspect of it. But uh, one thing that I would say that we will probably have to get involved in, and in order to get involved in, we'll probably involve getting into fly-by-wire and that sort of thing. Well, that's really up our right up our alley. You know, fly-by-wire is nothing more than the same kind of gains that you would do when you uh, develop an autopilot. So that sort of thing is is very uh, is it's interesting. It gets into handling qualities. It gets into the kind of bread and butter for a test pilot. And so that's the sort of thing that that would interest me uh, as we go forward. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, the EV toll market's 
got a long ways to go and, and a lot of interesting technologies will come of it uh, for sure. Tom, I really appreciate your time uh, and uh, for being with us today on the podcast. And thanks to Justin for having both of us on uh, while he's out on fraternity, for sure. Happy to do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. If you use Garmin products in or out of the cockpit, thanks for your support. We hope you love our products as much as we love creating them for you. Be sure to hashtag FlyGarmin to have your photos and videos shared on our Garmin Aviation social media. If you're interested in learning more about Garmin's aviation products or any of our other consumer products, visit us online at Garmin.com or Garmin.com backslash aviation, or see us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube at at Garmin Aviation. Congrats again to Justin and Christine on the arrival of baby Emmett. We're excited for him to also be a part of our Garmin Aviation family. And thanks again for letting me host an episode of the Pilots Pilot Podcast. We're excited to see you back on board the Latitude or maybe even Schmindy's 182, Justin. To everybody else, thanks for flying Garmin and listening to the Pilot Pilot Podcast. This is Kyle signing off. AV Nation, that is a wrap of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast guest host edition. Uh, I don't know if this is one through five. I'm just recording one full swoop for all this so this applies to all of them but thank you so much for the guest host for coming on it was a blast to share this podcast with them i I have listened to each episode and they're all great great content and i'm so thankful for them to come on and let me take this break while my wife and i take care of our newborn son but check out pilot's coffee check out pilot the pilot leave a review on itunes if you already did leave another review check out spotify there is a rumor that reviews are coming soon on spotify so check that out and leave a review as well but aviation i hope you're having a great day and as always Happy flying.